0: Welcome back, everybody, to episode fourteen of Rules of the Arena podcast, and we got Grandpa Ben back finally.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: yes.
0: Been gone for a few episodes. Ah, you know. Yeah, just got back from Chicago too. How was it?
1: It was fantastic. Was a lot of beer and a lot of pizza, so <laughs> I can't complain.
0: Looks like you got some neat photos down there. I saw a few of them up on Instagram today. I did indeed. Was very busy. And back with super super producer Casey.
3: Oh, hey, that's me. <laughs> Trying to figure out which intros which now. No, man. You are so inconsistent with your recording schedule. <laughs> At least we know what episode it is. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> I, see, I wrote it down.
0: <laughs> Changing things up. And sitting down today with John from Stonehill Hop Farm. How's it going? Great. Great. Appreciate you coming down. I apologize for the lack of coordination on my side this last couple of weeks.
4: No worries. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: not like
1: you've had anything going on.
0: No, nothing at all. I haven't tried to move and get settled into a new job
3: position and find an apartment all at the same time and not have a working work phone, company phone. I mean, you are really like hung up on this no work phone. I figure no work phone, no work. Well, I, That's I, a well, solid I plan. Out. That's not how that goes in the eyes of my corporate boss. <laughs> uh, but they haven't fixed the phone situation and they're, it's corporate, so. Right. Well, it's just, you know. <laughs> when a
0: company's been around 150 years, you'd think by now we could have these things kind of, you know, in plan if something goes wrong. Oh, so they're this. still using the Alexander Graham Bell switchboard. Yeah. No, that would be more efficient than
3: the iPhone. <laughs> it's like an iPhone 5. Oh well, Wait, wait. Yeah. You, so it's a cell phone that doesn't work. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was like, you know, like a Cisco, like IP phone. No, or no, something. no, no, no. I get a company like iPhone and iPad and I
0: need the phone to get into my email to work the iPad. And the phone does not work and is in Cleveland right now. So I can't <laughs> use the iPad either. So it doesn't matter I if just, it works or not. It's, it's just in not with <laughs> <Yeah>. you. <laughs> so it, it's been a bit of a debacle. But well, well, that well, seems like well. a word for it. <laughs> but you're here now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, John, tell us a little bit about yourself.
4: Well, I'm over uh, just just across the river from Hudson in uh, West Lakeland Township, and uh, over there, been growing hops since uh, about 2013.
0: So how so how do you get? Did you start growing hops with the intentions of going in kind of the commercial
4: farming side of it,
0: or was it this is a hobby? And hey, look, I have some land.
4: Yeah, it's it's a. What I have is a small-scale commercial operation, so really it's it's hobby scale. It's not anything you're going to be quitting your day job to <laughs> to do. Um, I only have six tenths of an acre, um, but still, that's a whole lot of hops. That's that's uh, translates into about uh, six to seven hundred pounds of dry hops uh, per year.
1: Yeah. Okay. And
0: when so. I was talking to you originally about coming on the show, it was right before the harvest started, and you sound, sounded like you are busy for that couple, was it two months or
1: so? It, That's it, this harvest,
4: harvest for yeah, for me um, it, it was a full month this year of, of harvest to, to get that through. And I was uh, basically myself working full time and, and then my wife uh, and it's not that you're picking the hops the whole time but it's everything else you gotta do. You gotta get them dried, you gotta get them packaged, pelleted, delivered. It's it's all that, that go all along with it. Hmm. And now I've
0: seen your drying setup. The uh, I don't want to call a machine um, rig. if That's the right word.
4: The the picking machine or the drying. The drying machine. Okay. Yeah. The, yeah it's a, yep. It's it's a basically a a, a big box yeah. with yes. that uh, with with the fan in it and and uh, we dry. I don't use any heat. Trying to make sure we have good quality hops for, for our brewers. And um, so I dry them just with air for a while, and then I close the box up, and I have a dehumidifier in there. Sure. Then the dehumidifier pulls them down the rest of the way. And how many pounds are you able to dry at a time with that? Um, yeah, it, it's a it's about uh, dried about 50 pounds per batch, in, in the, and I've got two dryers. Sure. So I've always got about a hundred pounds being dried at a time. And your picking machine, did you? Is that? How did, you, did you
0: make that one, or did you? Are you? Did you end up buying that?
4: I I built that. <laughs> it's been a it's been a process. So it's been <laughs> it's evolved over about four years. Um, uh, Eric Anderson up at Saint Croix Hops in Saint Croix Falls. Um, he's helped me a lot, and basically I rebuilt it this year with his his design and. Every day I ran, I had to pinch myself. I I couldn't believe this thing was working. So, well. so yeah. So what
3: uh, for the uninitiated? What does a uh, like a hop picker look like? Or it's like, uh, you
4: know? basically I, be, I better back up a little bit for if if somebody hasn't seen a hop yard and what the hop mm-hmm. plant looks like. Um, the plant is a perennial plant that grows up out of the ground every every year. And my trellis is 16 foot tall. So I have strings. I have two strings that come down to each plant that are 16 feet long. The plant grows up that throughout the year. And at harvest, we cut that, cut that down and bring it up. And the, I hook it onto the picking machine, and it gets pulled uh, with the mechanism. It gets pulled through the machine, and there's wire fingers the best way to describe it. They're rotating, spinning in there, and they Pluck those hop cones off uh, as they go through, and uh, then the, there's a couple of steps after that to uh, s- separate all the leaves and junk out of it, to where you have nice, clean cones
3: uh, that come out of the out of the other end. So really, just like it, just completely strips the bind then, and just yeah,
4: there's nothing left when it comes out except the the rope and the stem, and that's about it when oh, it wow. comes out of the machine. Everything mm-hmm. else has been been plucked off that thing but <laughs> but you really there's no way anybody even I don't know, any anybody with more than 25 plants or 100 plants could could pick by hand though because each i have my little hop yard i have a thousand strings we call them and each string if you were to pick it by hand it's 45 minutes to an hour to pick that have, by hand
3: <laughs> i have i have three garbage bags full of hops upstairs right now that came from somebody's garden and they're like, Yeah, we we went out there every day for like a week. Yeah. and
4: <laughs> And if they're still in the garbage bag, you could probably just about throw them Well away. they're <laughs> yeah, they're
3: they're they're dried out and yeah stuff, but Okay. Yeah, yeah. Right. no but, yeah, they 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 dried them already. <laughs> yeah. But
4: the machine it takes it it'll it'll pick a string in one minute with Wow, my machine. So I've talked
0: to Mike Frederickson who's been on the show and from Pitchfork about him sitting out on the porch and who's allergic to hops. and mine yeah. hits him. It, it looks like yeah. a, 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 cut, welt, a welt. Yes. And he goes, yeah, I'll just sit there and start picking by hand. I'm like, okay. <laughs> no, I think yeah, the last, last
4: year he picked, he, he brought him over to my house. We ran him through the machine. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Getting lazy, Mike. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I would never call Mike lazy. <laughs> <laughs> Not to his face, anyway. <laughs> Hi Mike. <laughs> I Mike.
0: I do so when I'm outside of his reach. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah. <coughs> you know, speaking of pitchfork, how did you end up working with the local breweries? Did you have to go around and say, "Hey, by the way, I'm growing hops here. I'd like to sell to you," or did the, is it you know you build well, it with you? Well, with
4: pitchfork um i don't know if you know uh joe ferguson he's yeah uh joe is kind of related through uh through joe's wife and mike's wife they're they're relatives and so joe was actually growing hops um with the intent to supply pitchfork and uh i i met joe through our growers association and he and i are both uh in the same area so we got to be uh working together on a few things in fact he helped me with the original machine quite a bit um and so through through joe i met i met mike and and kind of started so that was a you know the early days of pitchfork too when when that was and then uh through a series of whatever uh, joe is no longer growing ops um but but i still am so And
0: now, how far are you distributing? Are you staying trying to stay local? Then are you?
4: I'm trying to stay as close as I can, but I'll go as far as I have to to, to sell them. <laughs> I'm uh, uh, selling a brewery over in uh, Minnetonka, over you know, over on the west side of the cities. Uh, so that's that's probably the the furthest I'm I'm out right now is kind of the west side of the Twin Cities. Sure. Oh.
1: So what was what was the original? Decision to start selling hops? How did you or start growing hops? You just thought it'd be fun one day, or <laughs> yeah. yeah, much to my wife's chagrin. Yeah. <laughs> um,
4: no, I I always wanted to grow some. I mean, yeah. if I would have had my choice back in when I was getting out of high school, I would have been into farming. Okay, but um, I always worked on farms, but I wasn't from a farm family. Mm-hmm. We didn't have you know, farming at, at, and, uh, I think there's anybody that's farms knows it's, it's tough to get into if you aren't part of a, part of a family, um, mm-hmm. with the, with the land and the equipment and everything. So, so that never happened, but I, you know, just never, never lost that. But I, so, um, after 35 years as a, you know, in a career as an engineer, I decided it was, it was time to move on from that. And, uh, uh, so I'd give, give this a try. So, right. yeah, we looked at different, different things to grow and, uh, looked, actually looked at what, at grapes, you know, uh, we got, there are some varieties that do all right here, but there's still issues there. And then when I stumbled on the, uh, on the, the hops thing, we really are in the sweet spot as far as, uh, latitude for growing hops here. Um, and, I'm more of a beer guy than a wine guy anyway. <laughs> and so I spent a couple of years uh, researching that. There was, back in those days, there was a lot uh, going on in Wisconsin. They were getting mm-hmm. fired up. So I'd always come over to uh, to this side of the river to go to workshops and conferences and stuff to learn about it and visit farms. And kind of made the decision to pull the trigger. So, And did you go...
1: Did you put all thousand plants in right away or did you start
4: small in? No, scrolling? no, uh, started the first one. I first started with 25, just okay. the first year. Um, in, that was 2012, just to check it out. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then in 2013, I uh, planted 400. I, okay. I got plants out of Michigan. There was nobody um, really supplying good disease free plants in this area close by so i got him out of michigan now um eric uh, up at st croix falls he's a he's a propagator so you can buy disease-free clean plants from from him and uh, he would have been closer but he was he was just getting into it at that time also mm-hmm. now how difficult is it to start growing a hot plant i mean is it just throw a
0: seed in the dirt water it, and watch it go or no it's not anything? a
4: seed it's you you um a lot of people plant them from rhizomes, but if you're doing a commercial hop yard, you don't ever want to um, plant them from rhizomes. And the, the problem with that is you don't know if that rhizome is diseased or not. There's no way you can tell. And my first 25 I got out, I have got those out of the Pacific Northwest. Almost every one I figured out later was had one disease or another in them. How can you and, tell? Once it well, growing? when they when they start growing and and then you have problems. And and, they start and, coughing, Gordon. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I knew it. So, it's yeah. not Harry Potter, Casey. <laughs> yeah, but I did. Uh, so then those other plants I got out of Michigan, they were they were good and healthy, and uh, so so yeah, that's kind of how it started. And then I I propagated my own after that um, from uh, cuttings to. To plant the rest of
3: my hop yard off the plants i already had okay so when you were uh looking at what to grow like you said you were looking at uh grapes first was it just i want something that goes into alcohol was that kind of your no That wasn't or?
4: necessarily we actually looked at uh, you pick berry operation okay. we looked at some of that sort of thing and then found out the, how much the liability insurance costs to do something like that scratch that one off the list and yeah so we yeah we just evaluated a number of things okay. but uh, and I wanted to do something that didn't take a lot of land um, mm-hmm. so because it's you know any anything close in here in this area you got to know it's it's just nuts it's for for land mm-hmm. costs so
1: well, it sounds like you can get a good Harvest off of a small amount of property. Oh yeah, you so. don't
4: need a lot. I'm I'm really about the maximum that I can do myself without without hiring people. Okay. So got a couple of friends that help me each year with stringing uh, and and uh, and harvest and and they just like doing it. So that's that's great. But yeah, you know, like because it is very labor intensive. The um, I don't know if you guys are aware of the Mighty Axe Hops. Uh, they're near foley minnesota they just they've got 80 acres which is huge and they couldn't get enough local labor to to help them out so they they it's all legal it's all done with the visa program but they they bring a whole crew up from mexico every year to help them with the stringing and
3: then help them with harvest wow so um we actually have a question from the chat if you're okay answering that um so Far From Billy wants to know, for those that grow hops in a pot, where's the best place to keep them over the winter months?
4: Oh, um, you might want to – I've never done it. Um, they are pretty – I mean, my plants are really cold hardy. I've never lost one to, to frost, but they have a very deep root, so if they're in a pot – you know that's probably a whole different ball game. You might want to move it inside your garage or at least bring someplace. it inside. Yeah, out of it cold just a little I little wouldn't bit. get put it in any place warm, but don't let it break dormancy. But maybe not get those super sub zero freezing temperatures. Okay. Keep, it, keep it keep it away from that somehow.
3: Hmm. All right? Yeah, it makes yeah, sense.
0: And we were kind of talking off-air about, you know, everybody knows about the Cascade, or not the Cascade, the Mosaic and the Citra Hops. I mean, yep. What kind of types are you growing on your
4: farm? I, I have three varieties. I have uh, Cascade, Chinook, and uh, Willamette. What's the difference between the varieties? A uh, couple of differences. One is alpha acid levels. Um, like my Willamettes are very low alpha acid um, on the, on the spectrum and the, uh, Chinooks are they're about the Willamette's are typical range is around 4% alpha acids on those. And my Chinooks, um, typically test out between 12 and 13, 12 and almost, almost 14 some years. So they're, they're very high. So for the bittering at the beginning of the boil, for people that are home brewers or familiar with brewing, you know, and you want those alpha acids, you, you know, at you need less hops when you have that high. Then the other is the uh, the, the oils and the uh, the aroma and, and that, those profiles, mm-hmm. and those are widely different between uh, varieties of hops. Uh, our, our Chinooks, it's a real piney um, oil that's in there. I mean, when you when we're running those through the machine, my eyes are almost watering. I mean, I I can, it they're really super powerful. Um, and then the the Cascades. It's a again. It's it's pretty powerful, but not as not as pronounced as as those. But it's a whole different uh, whole different uh, um, aroma, and it and that comes through in the brewing. Okay. So, does region affect that
0: at all? You know, versus you know, growing here in the Midwest where you know, you absolutely. yeah Pacific
4: Northeast. Yep. It's the called. Terroir, you know, that's that fancy term they fancy use wine with, with, term. With wine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, don't ask me to spell it, but it's it, it doesn't it's not spelled how you would think. Um, and uh, actually, there was a brewer uh, last year that took um, some of my Cascades and some from Eric Anderson up at Saint Croix Falls hops, and he brewed two identical beers with it. Just and the only difference was. The hops, the okay. source of the hops, mm-hmm. and they were both good IPAs, but they tasted different. Huh. Really? Yeah, yeah. And it and it was just basically the soils uh, that they were grown in, and you know the the nutrients, are, you know everything that they're getting, and yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, well,
3: uh, so very interesting.
0: You know, you do some work with the U of M on experimental hops, and do they have they found or have they have you found you know hop a b and c grow really well in this region and hop cd or ed and f grow really well over here for whatever reason
4: well one thing all the public varieties that we that we can grow they were all bred for to be grown in the pacific northwest um so uh the university of Minnesota does have a breeding program. And that's one thing they're looking for is something that grows well here with our and, and is more resistance to diseases like downy mildew. Um, so there, that's one of the things they're looking for, but they also need to make sure they uh, breed a hop that brewers are going to want. So that's part of where I come in. I'm a trial grower for, for the university, uh, on that. And, uh, So they give me the plant. I know nothing about it. It's all super secret. (laughs) And uh, I don't even have a number or any kind of a name. I I just, here's these hot plants. Oh, wow. You don't even
3: get like the the code numbers. I don't
4: get anything. I I just grow them and then... um, uh, uh, this year, I I did dry them and and pellet them, and uh, they went to a went to a brewer who's going to be brewing some beers with those and, uh, and trying to see. And then also, I, I held out a pound of pellets um, for the uh, the the university because they're going over to Raw or Malting. They've got a lab over there, and they're going to uh, Randall them. Um, if okay. you know what that yep. if you know what that is, for those that don't know what that is. You take it's kind of a tube. You put the hops in, and then you take a take a beer that has absolutely no flavor or aroma. So they usually use like Miller Lite, <laughs> and they they run that they run that through that tube, and so then it picks up the, the aroma of those hops as it goes through. And then they oh, got these these trained uh, panel of people <clears throat> that are trained in sensory analysis, and then they they. Hmm. Uh, Taste it and, and smell it and everything and, and mm-hmm. kinda of rate the uh, rate the characteristics.
3: Randling was pioneered by Dogfish Head. One of the only good things I've ever done. But <laughs> <laughs> it's not getting me sued by anyone, dude. <laughs>
0: I don't know what you're worried about. I'd take the brunt of <laughs> <laughs> it. Makes him a little bit of libel. Right. Yeah. Uh, for those of you watching the little silver bag that we just passed on, John brought in uh, some pe-
1: hot pellets for us to take a look at. And it's much different with. than our normal plastic baggie. Right. A
3: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> little less dank. I don't know.
2: <laughs>
4: yeah, when I first uh, when I first started growing, it kind of reminds me, uh, I was packaging milk. Went up to the level of Mylar bags at the time. I was packaging them in these uh, clear, uh, they're vacuum bags that you put clothes in, you know, (laughs) so I could suck the air out. And so I had a whole back end of my Jeep stacked to the ceiling with those things. Running stuff across the
3: border <laughs> <Yeah. now.
4: laughs> came, across the, came across the border and uh, opened it up, and, and, and they were going in Mike's truck. He had to go home, and he said, oh, yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, and I,
0: I kind of jumped the gun a little bit, but how did you get started working with U of M? Did they approach you? Uh, you mentioned you're part of the Growers Association. Yeah, Growers no, Association.
4: I... Um, Charlie Rohrer is actually the person doing the breeding. He's down at Wasika at the uh, at the station down there, the Southern Research and Outreach Center. And uh, I mentioned that I was coming over here to Wisconsin to go to workshops and stuff in the early days, and, and Charlie was doing that also, I, so I'd met him through that. I And also I had stopped down to see his trellis and what he was doing uh, down there at Wasika before I got started, so I'd met him there. So yeah and then uh, then he asked me if I would be willing to do that and I agreed so know they and you mentioned off here as well that you also work with the is
0: it the, USDA? the USDA yeah, yes.
4: I'm working with the the USDA out of uh, out of Oregon uh, the hop breeding program there. I have uh, three of their varieties in my hop yard that I'm growing and one is totally not gonna work out, I don't think uh, for me one. I think has a lot of promise. And in fact, I just delivered a package of pellets to a guy in our homebrew club um, yesterday. He's gonna he's gonna brew with it and kind of kind of make a beer that'll really um, kind of highlight the hops and sure. and and see what we can get out of that for for characteristics. And the one that's not working out is it more of a regional climate thing. A um, couple of things. One is yeah, one it's real. I mean, I've got it under control, but it's it is real susceptible to to downy mildew. It seems, and uh, the other thing is the Japanese beetles just mm-hmm. absolutely love it. <laughs> it's like candy to them. Which, so I guess I ought to plant a corner of the hop yard with them, so they all go it's over there. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good uh, distraction crop. Yeah, no, they uh, they decimated it. Wow. And with the
0: USDA, did you know somebody that was already working with them, or was that... You know?
4: Yeah, uh, Josh Havel at the University of Minnesota. He's a grad student uh, here in St. Paul. Um, he was hooked up with them, and, and uh, he got some plant material uh, from them and, and uh, offered offered those to me. But I, I did have to sign a, a
3: legal agreement with the USDA out of Oregon to grow them, though. True. Hmm. So the, the, the varieties that you're growing for... Uh, like the state and the feds are uh, those will fall will those fall under like a public domain then unlike because uh, there's a lot of like trademarked varieties now right or copyright. And How does it work with plants? Is it a yeah. trademark? Is it a copyright? Is it? Yeah, well, they're they're patented
4: patented. okay. Yep. So it's and patent. uh, yeah, so they're proprietary varieties. Um, in fact, that's one reason like the University of Minnesota, their their legal agreements a little tighter than the USDA one. And I I cannot sell any of those hops. I can only uh, give them away for free to to a licensed brewer um, over in Minnesota. And uh, so it has to be a
3: Minnesota only licensed brewer. Yeah, with the university. So okay, so I can't cross the. Yeah,
4: no. And with USDA, it's a little more wide open. I can give them to anybody, and uh, I could actually even charge them for my production costs but i i've just been giving them away i'm not charging them for them because we don't know anything about them yeah so but it but these public breeding programs really are important to somebody like me because um you know all these sexy hot new varieties um that were developed privately um i can't grow them nobody nobody in minnesota can grow those and uh so that that whole segment of the market is you know off the table for us so hmm. if we can get some uh, minnesota and and variety and it and it would also be able to be grown in in wisconsin we've got a lot of growers right in this area that um they really you know twin cities is their market so hmm. when i say minnesota i local it's probably be the better term minnesota but, western wisconsin yeah if we but if we have some varieties that we can grow that they can't grow in the pacific northwest or something and uh generate a little more interest maybe we can drive some brewers to our to our doorstep because that's that's some of our problem right now is we've demonstrated we can grow hops we can grow really great hops uh, um and we've got processing and that sort of thing dialed in now and a number of number of uh uh operations um but we're still it's, it's still trying to penetrate the market with with some the of the Yakima
3: valley has a kind of a hold yeah on everything. I,
4: I went into I, I i stopped in to visit with a brewer here recently and and i almost started laughing to myself because um i'm, I'm sitting there i talked to the, the gal at the at the bar and told her who i was and i wanted oh, to visit and and knew his name you know and i and so he, he was busy in the back, and she said, Well, he'll be with you. This other guy's right ahead of you, and he wants to talk to him first. I said, that, that's fine. And so I'm sitting down the bar listening, and it's a guy from the largest top uh, operation <laughs> in, the, in the Northwest giving him the sales pitch and everything, and all this and that, and, and everything. Finally, he leaves, and uh, he comes over to me. I, I said, well, you probably don't want to talk to me after that guy. But, but I said, I'm a whole lot closer. And uh, so we we had a good laugh over that and talked
3: for a while. But, um, yeah, it was, uh, yeah. So, uh, like, I mean, all these proprietary strains that are growing in, grown in, like, one region, and with all, of, like, the droughts and stuff we've had in the Pacific or on the West Coast and in, like, that that, like, prime hop growing region – are are you guys seeing like more of an like it? It seems like a double edged sword where if they can't produce as much, they're gonna come to the Midwest a little bit more. But at the same time, we're gonna lose some of those strange strains potentially. Like, how do you feel about that?
4: Well, yeah,
3: yeah. I don't know. We'll we'll lose any of those any of those varieties. Well, I don't think or, we'll lose them outright, but there's gonna be a shortage, so people are gonna start looking for the new the next new thing
4: yeah and you know you kind of hear that about hop hop shortage but then you you, some information i've seen about quantities of hops that are in storage (laughs) that haven't been sold from previous years and stuff they kind of lead me to think there's 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 not not a shortage it's just nobody
3: wants certain varietals so they sit around and
4: and those guys out there with the hundreds and thousands of acres i mean they can dial it up and dial it down (laughs) you know in a pretty big hurry mm-hmm. um and you know and we really can't compete with those economies of scale that they have so yeah my price is a little higher than than those guys out out west
3: but well so uh do you target then the 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 smaller local breweries then like that's kind of your right and and we're
4: I'm a I'm some a real small brewery um there that doesn't have the ability to sign a, a large contract with these guys. There is a pecking order to mm-hmm. the and and you brewers out there. If, uh, it, you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but this is what I've heard and I've heard multiple directions. There is a bit of a pecking order on who they'll sell to, and it's the real big guys with the big contracts get all the best stuff, mm-hmm. and then they start working working down, and then the real little guys, um, with the small contracts or, or no contract, um, they're getting the, the, they get the, what's left over in the they corner. Get, they get the <laughs> yeah, yeah. They might, they might not be getting the best stuff. So, um, what we can do is we can give them the best stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, well, like with pitchfork this year on the Willamettes, um, he was brewing, uh, vanilla Rose, uh, this year. And, um, it wasn't accidental. I mean, this was coordinated with Mike, but I had, he knew I was going to have them dried and ready to deliver and I knew he was going to be brewing that day and so I I showed up basically a half hour before the first hop edition, uh, You know, when those those hops had been in in the field just a few days before that. So hmm. it doesn't, doesn't get much fresher than that.
1: Right. So Right. That's fantastic. Yeah. Looking at when you talk about size of scale with with your size how many how many uh, brewers, can you support an organ an operation your size? yeah
4: no, it would it would you know it all depends on varieties they use and mm-hmm. and how much they use mm-hmm. um, the three varieties that I have um, i I could probably supply you know maybe three three or more small Size breweries okay. with, with all their needs for those varieties mm-hmm. potentially. Okay, so yeah, it. So
3: what uh what percentage of your of your crop do you pelletize versus? Because I know uh, talking about Mike from Pitchfork, he has this harebrained thing where he only <laughs> uses whole cones, uh, but everybody else uses pellets. Yeah, and
4: so basically the um. Mike tells me how much he wants per that year, and then everything else gets pelleted. <laughs>
3: so, so, I mean, but from your side, that has to be kind of nice because all you have to do is dry it; you don't have to pelletize it. You can just bale it, and
4: um, yeah, I mean, it's it it it's a li- little more difficult to to package the the whole cone hops oh, okay. than the. Uh, than the pellets. You can't um, just shuffle it in a bag for him and be like, There no, you go, Mike. No, it's not.
3: <laughs>
4: I actually, actually had to build a, a bailing baler last year to... Just for him. just Pretty much just for Mike <laughs> uh, to, to get him, get him bailed Did properly. At to them where, I, where I was happy with it.
3: Um get him to sign it. Okay. Get Frugleson to <laughs> pay an inconvenience fee, like. yeah. Uh, yeah. So... So, yeah,
4: it's, but, uh, but, yeah, it is, it, from my standpoint, uh, there's, there's a benefit to that. And, um, and there's, you know, uh, for, there's a price difference between the hops I sell pelleted versus whole cone, too. So, okay. So, the, the price uh, for the whole cone is a little lower to reflect that lesser,
3: the, the fact the that no, it's using less, no feature. pellet. Yeah.
4: yeah, no pelleting. Yep.
0: Okay. Going back a little bit, you talked about, you know, the, Bigger companies that have pellets in storage. I mean, looking at a bag like that. I mean, how well do those keep, and or how long can those keep yeah. in storage?
4: Well, and I think a lot of the stuff out west that's in storage, those those are in bales, um, two hundred pound bales is how they typically store it uh, long term. But um, but once they're pelleted and that um, I nitrogen flush them and they're in mylar, so there's an oxygen barrier there, and then I keep them in deep freeze those would be good multiple years um i had some 2017 hops that i hadn't sold yet that were in my just a few pounds i opened the package to see and they were just as fresh as
3: you oh, know really? the, the day they went in that package yeah mm-hmm. so so when i want some stale cheesy hops i got to open that bag then and
4: yeah see the, the stale cheesy that's those are those have um, been exposed
3: to oxygen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and you want that for sours. Okay. Yeah. Because like, you want that to get oxidized. Yep. And like, because uh, you don't want all of that delicious hop flavor. Okay. There. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> open the, the open the dry. bag. Open then, the you know, bag. Yeah, open let it the sit for two, and two let, years. Let, her, and <laughs> let, her, let her, uh, <laughs> Yeah.
4: But uh, yeah, I, I try not to have that happen. Well, <laughs> but, yeah. you obviously don't.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
4: there so.
0: You I, I still don't understand the trend of sours uh they're delicious no I they're mean
1: yeah what was it's, it's an a, intentional mistake it's been a while since we did since I attended DOO uh, but that sour that we tasted that time surprised me <clears throat> with how good I thought it how was. good it was yeah the, it was, was that a really
3: candy one I uh I don't know we've had so many sours I, was, I, don't, I don't think we can <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that was that was many beers ago <laughs> Uh, as you as you kind of mentioned before, that
0: you are part of the Hopkers Association for Minnesota, and you mentioned that you're president. I mean, how has that
4: been for you? Well, I'm, I'm I keep trying to get somebody else to be president. But I <laughs> I, no, we actually got started in, in 2013. We had 35 people to start with, but we and we've got over 200 uh, members now, um, and not everybody's growing. A lot of those are people just checking it out, but uh, um but yeah it's it's a it's a good organization um and it it kind of gives us a way to get everybody together and share information and we bring in people experts from other states where needed and you know for workshops and stuff so oh it's been good
0: and is it strictly Minnesota or can you know some of us? Oh, no, actually, uh, come over.
4: No, uh, we have a number of members from uh Wisconsin, we have a couple from Iowa, a couple from North Dakota. Um, actually, one of our board members is uh, Eric Anderson from uh, St. Croix Valley Hops up in St. Croix Falls.
1: Hmm. How many people are in the association?
4: Yeah, we, we, well, like so, we I think our membership is up around 200 right now. Okay that range
0: if i remember correctly, is it eric that's growing the zot hops up yeah sink, right? eric okay. eric's uh, yeah. uh yeah, right he has he so, has, yeah, so like we're he, talking has about
4: of, he has a lot of eric has a lot of varieties but he has a uh, he has a size that uh, i think mike uses it in his uh pilsner yeah the, yep. the Czech pilsner
0: yep. Oh, that is so good <laughs> yeah <laughs> which it's that one is, of the few pilsners out there that i actually like i'm not the, the style as a whole no like not, sours you know, oh you don't
3: like sours. You don't like pilsners. <laughs> what do you like, Gordon? I like some pilsners. <laughs> I was actually surprised. Um,
0: the Newbury Brown Man Brewing uh, up in Spooner, where I'm moving to, uh, they have a pilsner on that. It's my favorite pilsner so far outside of Pitchfork.
1: Hmm. Oh, it was my first beer, and legitimately in the Czech Republic, it's a pilsner. Wait, I
3: your didn't... your first beer ever? Or yes,
1: yeah, my first beer ever. I was 15. I was... Wow. It was fantastic. That's
3: goddamn impressive. I, <laughs> I couldn't tell you what it
1: was, but it was delicious. I've loved yep. Pilsners ever since.
0: Uh, I, I go for the maltier you know, the stouts porters and such.
1: Yes, we know. We, you like your beer to punch you in the face. No, I wouldn't go that far. It's That's why okay. wanna... we're, gi- we're giving him four <laughs> percent.
3: <laughs> that. yeah. So, anyways, John, do you need another beer, or you good? Sure, um, I'll take another one. Um, uh, stout or brown? Uh, stout be great. All right. um, uh, <clears throat> and we were
0: talking off air earlier as well. You were working down in Chile earlier this year. Yeah, what actually, it was kind of.
4: <laughs> uh, Spur of the moment thing uh, again. Eric uh, Anderson, uh, Saint Croix Valley Hops. He's he and I are become friends through the through the years through all this. And uh, he mentioned to me in early uh, early March at our annual meeting, he said, "Yeah, I'm getting ready to go visit Juan down in uh, Chile for a couple of weeks." And I, I Juan is, uh, is this guy that he's first hop grower in Chile, but he's so he's got no support system down there at all or anything Mm -hmm. and so he just started emailing people up here uh, saying could I come visit your farm and (laughs) see your operation (laughs) and uh Eric was like the only guy that responded to his email (laughs) so he came up he actually spent I think it was almost a month in uh in 2017 uh right before harvest on Eric's farm and he came out to my farm so I had met him and uh but for some reason, he wanted Eric to go down and for a couple of weeks, and they, they paid Eric's airfare and everything to go. And when I heard that, I said, Wow, I think I'm gonna mind if I check with Juan to see if I could jump in on this. So I, I checked and <laughs> you know, I paid my own way, but um, yeah, it was a really, really cool experience. But we got down there, and um, after. We, we got there. We figured out why he wanted us to come. Eric's r- really good with the picking machinery and, and design of it and building it and everything. And, uh, again, there's no infrastructure down there at all. They had hired this engineer and some fabricators to build them a picking machine. And this thing is big. And... Um, they had just looked on the internet at, at picking machines and kind of kind of built what they thought they needed to build. Trying to reverse engineer and and uh, you know the, and they're they're really excellent fabricators. I mean they do mm-hmm. what they build. I mean they build well if they just knew what to build. But um, Eric and I looked at it and we we're like, wow, this thing isn't going to work. <laughs> and uh, uh, we went cut a bind on and ran some through it and yeah it it was not gonna work it was just a pile of leaves um and hops Mm -hmm. i mean it was just no no separation to get the trash out Mm -hmm. and uh so so anyway we spent the next uh next week we uh Juan's father who was kind of the the check writer on the operation there (laughs) 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 um uh Eric kind of figured out how we could modify their machine. That night over a beer, we kind of scratched out some sketches and stuff. And so Juan's father the next day told everybody, uh, whatever Eric says to do, you you do it. (laughs) (laughs) So Eric stayed there on the farm. We got these guys cutting this machine apart. And I went into town with Juan, uh, and he was my interpreter. I'm buying all these machine parts and stuff. And we came back, and after a week of fabrication, we had a machine that worked pretty darn well Nice. was so, awesome yeah it was really cool so
0: how are the hops growing down there you mentioned that we're kind of in that sweet spot for it
4: they're in that same sweet spot just on the other side of the equator sure. so hmm. yeah it's a long ways to get there because when you know flying down when you hit the equator you're halfway there mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> so it's a long <laughs> ride so their growing season is flipped from ours right yeah so they were harvesting in march late okay march. wow yeah so, so if you want some fresh hops Fly down. Yeah. <laughs> Have anybody seen the movie Blow with Johnny Depp? Yeah. Yeah. Come back with big bales of green stuff. Yeah. Nobody's gonna get weird at the border. Yeah. Charter a flight. Fly fly, fly low. low under the radar. Yeah. Do you know
0: of? Are there any um, implications? I guess, for lack of a better word, of. You know, if I'm growing here in Minnesota, Wisconsin, and I want to, uh, there's a a brewer up in Canada that wants to buy from me, can you do that? Or
4: I wouldn't be the person to answer that question. I think it's kind
3: of like any other uh, produce, Um, it doesn't cross country lines very well, Mm is kind of where, like, I mean, Canada might be okay with, with NAFTA and stuff, but if you're shipping to South America, because everybody's worried about like the different uh, coughing hops, right? You know, like, yeah.
4: Well, in fact, <laughs> in fact, one uh, the one variety he was growing when we were there, it was it was an old German variety. There was German settlers in that area that brought brought them with them from Germany
3: back in the day. About nineteen forty-five. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, actually, yeah. I think it was about hundred
4: years earlier, but I know what you're talking about. Uh, uh, so that's all he had, and to bring in uh, varieties from the U.S., um, he could not bring in a rhizome or even a plant. He had to bring in, um, I forget the term, but it's a piece of plant material that's sterile. Hmm. And then they they go through this in vitro process in these little tubes. They put in this stuff, and they actually form a plant out of this. Test tube baby hop. It, that's exactly. Wow. You go in this room, and it Hot was this clones. whole room. <laughs> of all these little jars with these tiny little (coughs) plants uh growing out of this gel stuff and uh that's how he was getting his initial plants of the american varieties oh Uh, wow there was a it was a uh a lab that was doing this for him down there it was pretty pretty impressive but that's the only way he could legally bring those Mm -hmm. in and he didn't want to do anything under the wire and be responsible for you know bringing some disease in Mm -hmm. and uh so yeah, it was that was
1: quite extensive hmm. no, so they have in that sense, they have diseases that our plants probably don't, and our plants have diseases that they don't have down there the currently um we probably have diseases
4: they don't. Chile okay. is very isolated, mm-hmm. they got the mountains, you know they and they got the ocean mm-hmm. and that long and they got antarctica and, <laughs> you know and and so they have that so, thing so they're yeah. they're isolated and so like even flying in you had the, the customs form that they have i mean they're really strict on bringing anything and i had some um uh, uh, what what you call it? trail mix with me mm-hmm. and they specifically you know do you have anything like and i did and wow. so I got pulled aside, and mm-hmm. and they had to look at it, make sure that the seeds in there had been toasted, okay, and so they were not viable seeds, or else they would have had to have been thrown away. Wow,
3: yeah. So uh, don't bring your apples off of your Delta flight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really. yeah, no, they're
4: they're very strict because they're they're afraid of it. They don't have fruit flies. They don't have. Oh, wow. uh, there's there's all kinds of things they don't have down. Movie. So, so. Great. <laughs> well,
3: so, I mean, uh in your experience, like, you know, talking with him and stuff, uh, they don't have to worry about all those diseases. So, like, if you brought something from there, it would just be decimated up here then. Right. Because it doesn't uh, it doesn't have any defense against it.
4: Pot- potentially, depending upon what it okay. is. Yeah but uh, for like downy mildew i everybody that grows commercially you've you've got d- you got to spray to manage it mm-hmm. yeah so
3: so what is downy mildew i mean we've talked about it a few times like what can it, you it's basically a water mold okay could be the best way
4: to describe it but it's hmm. yeah it um and i when i first got into this i was, had this, my head in the clouds thinking i'm going to do this organically i'm not going <laughs> to spray i'm not going <laughs> to get all this and then when all my plants were dying, I couldn't figure out why the, you know, university looked at it and said, "Yeah, you got downy all over the place." So, I, I kind of had to get on a program right away. But I I set my hot yard back by about a year um, by not by not taking uh, the not recognizing what was going on and and because first couple of years you can get by before it really starts. Causing getting, issues, yeah, getting getting built up to where the where it starts really showing.
3: Is that mm. is that more like an upper Midwest issue, or is that kind of a it's a, a, like a yeah, a our humid
4: climate it, it makes it a, a real problem. That's one one of the main reasons the whole hop growing industry moved to the Pacific Northwest. They're they're growing them on the dry side of the mountains up there, a mm. very arid climate, um, so they- they don't have as much uh pressure from the mildews. Oh, okay. Hmm.
0: And when we did the tour out at your at out at the farm last year, you did say you had a few organic plants growing. Mm-hmm. Any success with that? I know you said they're being problem child.
4: Yeah, no, I was growing those for um Liftbridge for their Harvest Store Wet Hop beer. They wanted those organically. And they didn't do that beer this year. Um, so I grew them conventionally but, um, but I had systemic infections of downy mildew and quite a few of those plants so mm-hmm. at the end of this growing season I, I went through, I, I killed them off, I'm going to reestablish that row um, just because yeah, it's, it's anybody that can grow them organically and do it successfully more power to you I, I couldn't
3: so hmm. uh, were they quote unquote certified organic no no okay no. It, have, have you looked into that process at all yeah or? but
4: for my scale it would cost way more money oh really than okay. it would, you, yeah mm-hmm. you gotta pay a certifier to come in and everything everything I did for that row was organic but I'm sure I didn't probably have the setback distance whatever from my conventional stuff and whatever but
3: that row was was organic so as as a small grower, like, um, is it worth it at all to really do organic? Or, um, if if you can make it work,
4: like I said, I, I didn't see that the market was out there to pay you that premium. You know, I I'm asking for a bit of a premium for my well, local I, and yeah. small scale, mm-hmm. and then to heap another premium on it for
3: the organic probably would put it.
4: Over the edge, you know.
3: And then you have to look at the brewer side too. I mean, are you gonna foot the premium for the certified organic breeze malt? Mm. Like (laughs) or (laughs) or are you gonna use the raw that's a buck cheaper? (laughs) Right. Yeah. yeah, I know there are some certified organic
0: breweries out there. I don't know of any off the top of my head here in the Twin Cities. There's, yeah. uh,
3: it's the breweries aren't, but they've made certified organic beers. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, and I've I've had a few of those. And it's really weird. They taste just like any other beer. I don't. What? (laughs) (laughs) But they cost more. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And
4: and that and that really the the cost is the cost that those growers need to charge for those for those products that they're growing them those with those practices. It
3: it's it's tough. Well, yeah. It sounds like there's a lot of plant loss involved well potential. May, potential maybe somebody or lower yields maybe least.
4: somebody who's a better organic grower than me could have controlled the diseases better but i the problem is the only fungicides that are organic certified are uh, what what are called protectants they they just protect the plant hopefully from getting uh getting infected but if they do get infected, there are no organic so options. So essentially,
3: just a song and a prayer, hoping that it doesn't. Yeah.
4: But if you do get you, an infection, um, the you got nothing organically that's going to f- save that plant. Hmm. You know, on top of the mildew,
0: we talk about the Japanese Asian beetle or the, the whatever hell beetle. Yeah. Is the hell beetle. beetle? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Annoying, bite you and. Uh, is there anything you can do to prevent those from chewing on your plants or you, know, you know, protect them,
1: if you will?
4: I don't know what what you can do. The one thing I did do this year, because they, they go down into the grass in between the rows, you know, and they lay their eggs and they got the little grubs in there, the whole, getting into the whole life cycle of the Japanese beetles here. But <laughs> after after harvest this year, um, so all those eggs would have been laid and they would have been small grubs. I went through and I, I tilled up all of my um, the rows in between my in wow. my hmm. trying to um, disrupt those murder uh, those the grubs. Gru- murder the grubs is what I try, <laughs> uh, yeah. but without without chemicals and and see they the grubs rely on the the roots from the that grass to, okay. to um, for their food source and so I'm going to keep it black until you know fairly late in the spring, hoping basically hoping to starve them out, but you know, not kill the earthworms. So
3: mm-hmm. we'll see. He's got to walk that line a little bit. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> and, you know, I, as I mentioned, you know, we got to do a tour of the crew from Pitchfork come out to your farm and see your awesome pizza oven. Ooh. Wait a second, let's talk about this pizza oven for a second. I am now instantly hungry You're yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> no that's the fast that's record time I've ever seen a pizza cook like a large pizza was done in what five minutes if oh that. no,
3: it was less than that about mm-hmm. three three to four yeah, minutes yeah, yeah. So, I mean so do you make your own dough and everything then yeah, yeah we make
0: the,
4: make the make our make our own dough and um a lot of the ingredients that we um
3: from the garden where we can you know nice and, and stuff so. Do you use a yeasted dough, so it has to set for a while, or do you do like the no yeast, no rise dough? No, it, it, I'm very it, excited it, about this. <laughs> <laughs> it looks awesome! Yeah, it has it has yeast in it. Okay. Mm-hmm.
4: It, yeah, it it does have a, a, a. This is my wife's side of the operation. Oh, okay. So you're, <laughs> okay. But I know she, it, she lets it rise in a you know low temperature oven for a bit before we um, break it into balls and roll it out.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, cool.
4: As, as those who that know me, I have not missed a
0: lot of meals in pizza. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anybody in this room has missed a lot right, of meals. Yes, <laughs> and, that was by far one of the best pizzas I've had. Uh, you know, there's a couple exceptions, I'd say, down in Chicago. Or uh, I don't know mm-hmm. if you some saw the um, Checker Box something something pizza. Did not. Their mm-hmm. their deep dish is like that. Yes. And one of those, and I'm good for a few
1: hours. One one. Yeah. So one piece. Okay, I was trying to get you it's, to no. tell me that you'd eaten a whole deep dish pizza. <laughs> no, <laughs> not yet. It, it's been a few years.
0: I'll
4: try again. We have a question over here <laughs> from the galley about the oven. <laughs>
3: yes, please. Sorry, getting back to the gas. <laughs> yeah. My bad.
4: it it's basically a wood fired oven. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, you know, so it's all it's a dome. Uh, we're not. A, it's more more of the barrel design. Mm-hmm um so fire brick all around and you just and if you know anything about these wood fired ovens there's a couple of different types one that's a lot a lot of mass and sand in there it's where it takes like three days to heat it up but then you can cook for three days Mm -hmm. and mine's not like that it takes me about three hours to hook my to heat mine up Mm -hmm. but then um i you know i'm I'm cooking for shorter period of time obviously
1: What's your strategy for firing it? You build the fire like where you're gonna cook the pizza and then push it back when once you've gotten temperature right.
4: built up. Yeah, you you build it kinda at you know, it takes like I said, about three hours, but about forty five minutes before i am gonna start cooking, I'll I'll really fire it pretty hot. You okay. know, the oven's already pretty pretty warm, but then mm. you you get give it a pretty good load when that burns down a little bit, then yeah, you push it to the back, sweep off the Fire brick and the
3: pizza gets cooked right on the fire brick. Yep. Yeah, awesome. So, do you do uh, like is it like a tour and a pizza type of deal, or <laughs> <laughs> do you do private parties if somebody you know, wanted to get a hold of you?
4: I don't know. We haven't uh, we haven't you know done anything official on that. We just did a kind of a kind of a appreciation thing. Pitchforks, good customer, you know, just told mike you no, know I mean, bring anybody the employees and their families anybody wanted to come out i am surprised they brought gordon
3: yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i left some pizza behind for other people yeah some
4: so but it, no, it's it's a fun you know that's actually part of what we're doing the whole local thing you know that's mm-hmm. where the the benefit of the locals you can do things like that you know the and and i would you know um, I've told Mike, for if customers want to come out and see the, see when during harvest, do they want to see the operation or whatever, you know, it, I'd be more than welcome to, you know, accommodate anybody who wants to come out and see what we're doing, and so,
3: yeah, maybe no? a really interesting day, pitchfork beer and Too watching a watching a hop harvest and eating pizza. Well, I mean, I wasn't <laughs> going to put them out like that, but now that you brought it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Usually uh, a harvest day and a pizza day don't... Or, or, they don't they're, mix. They're kind you know. of mutually exclusive. Yeah. Yeah. You get one piece
0: for X amount of pounds that you've taken out. Yeah. All right, so everyone everyone on the bus, you guys go, go harvest. <laughs> <laughs> I'll supervise and criticize
1: from the corner. You'll be fine. Hey, you have a burgeoning career working for the state, Gordon. Yeah. <laughs> No, that's
0: that's yeah. actually I just had that conversation with my brother. He's okay. Yeah, hey, I'll come out and help you move this weekend. And three hours after I'm done unloading the truck, I get a message. Yeah, sorry, I went hunting. <laughs> <laughs> thanks,
1: thanks, John. Yep, yep. You take happen. some PTO on
3: that yeah. one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, that's an interesting. Um, full disclosure: I occasionally work for a wedding venue that has a a pizza oven as well.
4: Oh, okay, and.
1: Yeah but I think it'd be a really interesting thing with the, the not knowing what your farm looks like marketing this. I'm sure there's a market for people that would get married at a hop farm.
4: Oh, we, we actually, I was running the the picking machine, you know, so it's all noisy, everything. This lady pulls over in a car and, and comes up to me and, mm-hmm. and, uh, I had, you know, took my earmuffs off, so I she, she, hear what she said. Have you ever thought about doing weddings on the farm? <laughs> <laughs> I I go talk to my wife. There you go. And so she asked her, and my wife said, yeah, for about 30 seconds. <laughs> it seems so, like a lot of hassle. Yeah, that's kind of my thought is, I don't know, dealing with... Bridezillas? Yeah. And,
3: surprising.
1: We should have a different
3: so, conversation. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the markup on that is... Hmm. Might make it worth it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd be okay with the $6,000 day.
0: I don't know. I, I've, I've never coordinated a wedding. Well, I kind of did. Uh, I was the best man for my buddy's wedding, and I turned into best man, wedding coordinator, and security for the wedding <laughs> all on the same day. What you know, kind of wedding
1: needs security?
3: Every wedding I've been to. The the bride's
0: brother relapsed the night before and showed up to the venue clearly intoxicated. And so, to try to keep the tornado shitstorm that was going on all day, they Mm -hmm. had a great time. They're like, oh, we had a great party. And I'm there sweating over in the corner, like, I'm going to die. (laughs) But I saw him, and before anybody else saw him, I. Booked it down the hallway, grabbed him and dragged him outside, like, You can't be here. We will both be dead. Mm. Got him a cab and got him out of there, went back in. But yeah, I got into a little bit of a spat the night before with the wedding coordinator because no inventory was done on tables and chairs and they were short by about 150. Oof. So, well, she panicked. I started making some phone calls and was able to round up stuff and everything. I said, Well, here it is. It's your turn to figure out how to get back. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>
1: good no
3: um so it seems like we're starting to wind down a little bit here uh for a lot of our listeners are like home brewers and you know like they're they're not doing stuff at the commercial scale but if they wanted to grow hops at home do you have any advice that you'd like to give them or um
4: just be aware it's you know you need a, a real sunny spot um, someplace where you can let they want to go grow up. So, um, like I said, my trellis is 16 foot, and that's a, a, a decent tight. I mean, if you're really wanting to grow hops to get get hops off of them for your home brewing, um, they're perennial. Um, so in the spring though, you want to prune them back, um, and not let them just take off right away. You're, you you want to hold them back. I I typically prune them until um, my training date, typically, has been March 12th. So I'm pruning, basically, cutting them off. In Did fact, you just I just run the mower
3: down there. Or?
4: Well, actually, what I've been doing uh, past few years, ex- except this last year was really weird with the spring we had. So I didn't. But I have this big propane burner torch. And so about the third week of April, I go through and I just. The plants are up about a foot. I burn them to a crisp right down to the ground. It's just uh,
3: smoldering. Do you feel a little bit like Kurt Russell in The Thing when you're doing that?
4: I do. So what what that does, it does two things for me. It it prunes them. It it prunes them back and slows their growth. And then it also, uh, all all that initial growth's got, if any plants have downy mildew um, overwintered in them. It's in that initial growth, and it's burned down, and it's destroyed. Oh, okay. And, and so, um, so you it, cleanse it with fire. Yep, and it's has really improved the health of my hop yard um, doing that. So, uh, so that's what I do. Um, All right, you guys, you heard it here first. Uh, yeah, but burn I, your plants. But <laughs> I, I will say, the first time I tried it, I just burned five plants, and I got done. I like. Well, okay, I just killed five plants, <laughs> <laughs> and they were the best looking plants in the hop yard that year. Huh. So, so the next year I went, I went wild. It I burned the whole hop yard. Yeah, it does seem a little counterintuitive. Yeah, but it's it's has always worked out well for me. Okay, but, nice. Yeah, but yeah, they want to hold them. You want to hold them back. The problem is if you let them grow right away, they're gonna they're gonna shoot up to the top of whatever you've got for a string, mm-hmm. and they're going to want to keep going until uh, summer solstice. So about the end of June, they're going to want to keep going, growing up. So you, whatever the height of you've got, you, the goal is to have them hit that at the summer solstice. And then after that, they stop growing up and they put on sidearms. They start growing sideways and that's where all your hops are. Okay. So, um, it's, that's one thing as a commercial hop grower, you got to really dial in as your your training dates in the spring to get that get that dialed in to where it, that's right. Because um, last year mine was all screwed up because I don't know if you guys remember, but April you know we had what like a whole bunch of snow in middle yeah. middle of April, yeah. Yeah. and then all of a sudden we got 80, 90 degrees or something. It was such a weird year. So um, my plants. I didn't prune them because they were under, you know, they were just they were coming under up. the snow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they were just coming up. And so they went nuts and they hit, they hit the top wire about the first week of June, second week of June, which was really bad. And so I had, I, I lost some production this year. I had a mess at the top, mm-hmm. top of the trellis. So that's one thing that they'll, they'll want to kind of figure out. But but don't be afraid to prune them back in the spring. When they first come up, don't baby them and think, oh, yeah,
3: here they mm. come. No. It seems whack, like a very resilient. Off, them, cut them down. <laughs> yeah. It seems like a very resilient plant. Yeah. yeah. Like, is it is it an easy plant to grow? Um, well, I mean, like,
4: I, I comparatively. Would, yeah. It, um, Yes and no. Okay. They'll mm-hmm. grow um, some of some of my biggest challenges now with the more mature hop yard is um controlling them actually mm-hmm. oh really Cause they want to be growing over here and popping out of the ground there and everything so you know i'm pruning roots and everything else to to maintain it do you a, have to dig crown. down then and like chop up rhizome and yeah like... i yeah and i just throw them away i don't i don't sell them or anything um mm-hmm. uh so people ask me if i sell them uh, I, no i don't sell them but that seems If like they a just if too. they just want some and their home brewer wants some for their yard, I said if you want some, come on out and just take them. Uh, but I can't guarantee my rhizomes would be disease free, and mm-hmm. so I don't. I tell them if you're thinking of growing commercially and don't don't take any of mine, mm-hmm. just because I I don't want to be that guy that gives you something
3: that uh, right. isn't right. Yeah. So. That makes sense. Um, so, uh, you've also mentioned that you're part of a homebrew club. What homebrew club are you part of? Um, it's uh, St. Croix Valley, uh, Valley out of Stillwater. Okay. Uh, did you go to uh, NHC when it was in Minneapolis? Uh, no, I did not. Okay.
4: Yeah. So, I'm not... I Actually, i have just now getting back into it. I, I, I did some homebrewing actually before I got the hop yard going and got the farm, but we've been it's been kind of crazy, busy, and kind of slid off the burner, and and uh, now I'm getting back into it. And I think I mentioned to you I got a little electric brewing. Stuff. Yeah, no, that <laughs> sounded really slick. Yeah, yeah.
3: So I I've, I've uh, been playing with that, and I'm really happy with that. And that's so, I, is that inside, like like on the kitchen counter style, or is that uh, in the garage? Um, no, you can do it inside. I do have a, a vent over it, you know, for the steam during the boil. But um, yeah, it's it it's slick. So yeah. mm-hmm. uh what what's what's that uh machine called? It's for the listeners. I, I, I think
4: it's Brewer's Edge is the company, and I think it's called a mash and boil. Okay. But it's uh yeah, it's 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 like it's about three hundred dollars and it's you know, got all the temperature control. Just all in, all in one there, all dye di- you know, yep, everything there and it's and you it's got a grain tube on the insides uh for the for the mash. So once you get done with the mash, you just lift that up and it drains. You do your sparge right in there, and then that goes away, and you do your boil right in the same <sighs> vessel. And yeah.
3: where were you 80 weeks ago? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But who's counting?
0: Uh, <laughs> I'm curious. You know, for you, John, what came first, the home brewing or the hop growing?
3: Uh, the home brewing actually did. Yeah. Do you uh, do you have a style that you kind of gravitate towards when you're brewing?
4: Uh. Well, no, I, I mean, I, I'm kind of an IPA guy, but my wife is is not. (laughs) More of a a stout, uh, porter type person. The hop
3: grower is an IPA guy. I don't get it. Honey, this is what puts food on the table. Like, we got to... It's market research. I
4: was asked that question one time. Is there some common thread amongst all the hop growers? Because it's such a diverse group of people. And I I think every one of them uh, likes good craft beer. You know, Mm -hmm. that's kind of a prerequisite (laughs) to to selling your soul to the hop lamp. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Well, of course, I told my son so prior to Pitchfork opening, I did not drink beer, period. Got draged, dragged up there, started drinking beer, and I told myself, I'm never going to work at a brewery. A year and a half in, started working at the brewery, and I told myself, I'm never going to homebrew. Uh, I've been sitting on Amazon, and I have a wish list of different homebrew kits and equipment. Don't buy it off like Amazon. I, it's just, a, I'm more <laughs> price point. Mike's already offered to sell me his old stuff that's taking up room in his garage. So,
3: We'll see. That might be a bit much for your first foray. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I would start with the pot and maybe a burner. (laughs) Mm -hmm, (laughs) Or actually, uh, do what John's doing and do it inside. Uh, where it's not twenty below, and you're trying to sit over a boiling kettle, like you know how hard it is yeah. to get something to boil at twenty below. <laughs> yeah, <actually.
4: laughs> that was that was a lot of my problem. Was the time when I had time to brew, it was winter, you know. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and so, but now moving indoors, it's really making it a happening yeah. thing. So
3: nice. And no, all electric, you don't have to worry about you know like. Burners going out or anything like that. Burning your snap. house down. I'm yeah. not worried about that. I don't know. <laughs> yeah.
1: well,
0: any other questions from you guys? I've kind of spent all mine. I am sufficiently
1: intoxicated. I mean, I, I
3: could sit here and just pepper John with questions all night, but. Sure I feel like did. we're at like an hour and 10 minutes. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well,
0: John, I appreciate you coming down here. Thank no you. I apologize again for my lack of coordination over the last couple of weeks. <clears throat> you should. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah. You <laughs> 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 uh, I'd like to have you on again. You know, uh, definitely dwell deeper into, you know, I'm sure we just barely skimmed the surface here.
1: I think a field recording from the hop farm.
4: Oh yeah, you guys need to just come on out. We can do that. I heard there's pizza. (laughs) We could could do that. Casey has deep pocketbooks. He'll pay you in full for it. We
0: could do that. What do
3: you think I do,
0: (laughs) Mister? I went to Europe for a month. Yeah, my brother lives there, so I had a
3: place to stay. Sure, I don't.
0: Yeah, I saw that you're working from the pub at breakfast
3: time. Yeah, <laughs> breakfast time here. It was two in the afternoon there. Yeah, sure.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks so. again, John. Like yep, I said, you for coming down here, I really appreciate it. It's been a fun time. Um, first time I've gotten to, you know, like I said, go out and see a hop farm and see a hop plant, and you know, first time, first time I've had a hop farmer actually come down on the show. So appreciate. Look forward to having it on again.
4: Okay,
1: cool. Oh yeah, that's An right. You gotta play music, music don't you? <laughs> Super producer. <laughs> Super my ass.
0: <laughs> right, and thanks again, everybody, for listening to episode fourteen. Now that I got a handle on what number we're on. Oh, oh that went oh, away. Oh, that's bad. That was weird. Oh, John, before you leave, are you on Facebook or Instagram anything like that? People can on find Facebook. You? Yeah, okay. and
4: it's. Uh, Stonehill Farm uh, uh, if you search for Stonehill Farm Hops it'll it'll come up I I have found we were talking about wedding venues earlier Mm -hmm. in central Minnesota there's a wedding venue and they they call themselves Stonehill Farm Hops or not Hops Stonehill Farm Wedding Venue but on Facebook they're like Stonehill. I'm getting all these oh, all yeah, these yeah, yeah. all these people following me thinking I'm a
3: wedding venue you know? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway uh, it's facebook.com/ Stonehill farm hops there you go there you that's go. it I'll yep. post a link on there in the description
0: for this show. And thank you again for listening to this. And if you want to check out others, make sure to go to rules of the arena, uh, the arena outpost.com, click on episodes, and pop you over to Blind Ninja Studios, where you can check out this episode, my show, Rules of the Arena Podcast, and also others such as Department of Offense and Homebrew Brown. Appreciate it, folks. Catch you next time.